Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, I was just thinking, uh, you know, it's good, you know, there's a lot of negatives about not being able to sing, let's, 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 not, let's not belittle that, but you know, sometimes words can get in the way of worship, sometimes the singing can get in the way of our worship, because we think we're worshipping, but actually we're not, our, our lips are moving, but our hearts are somewhere else, um, worship is ultimately not so much about the physical posture, it's about the posture of our heart. It's a posture of worship unto God. And I think that to this morning it's reminded us of, of what true worship is really all about, which is just powerful. Ephesians chapter 1, reading from verse 1, the Word of God says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The uh, New King James actually says, that second verse says, grace Sorry, it says, verse 1 says, uh, to God's, uh, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Here it says, to the God's holy people. But the New King James says, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to just uh, gather together around your word. And Father, we know that every time we open your word, it's an opportunity for you to speak to us. And we've gathered to hear from you above all else. We just bind every, dis every distracting thought in Jesus' name. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. Let this word come alive into our hearts, Lord God. That ultimately brings transformation so that we can be everything you've called us to be. Let there be a spirit of wisdom and revelation today. Let this word bring fruit for your glory, Lord God. Let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Let our ears and hearts be open to hear from you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, this is the final message in the series entitled Winning the War uh, of Your Mind. Uh, thoroughly recommend the book that we've been studying over the last few weeks where some of these messages or thoughts have come from. Uh, it's the book Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig uh, Groeschel, and um, just want to recommend a couple of other resources for you. Uh, Caroline Leaf, Dr. Caroline Leaf has written extensively on this uh, topic, and I thoroughly recommend any material uh, by her. Uh, there, there's the resources up there. She's also developed a, uh, an app called a NeuroCycle app. It's actually it was called a Switch app before. It's actually called a NeuroCycle app. It'll take you through 21 days of renewing the mind, and it's like a 10-minute exercise that she, she uh, she talks you through um, uh, over those 21 days. Very powerful, very, very uh, thought-provoking, thoroughly recommended. With all the junk out there, well, here 
here's an app that's actually uh, quite useful, and I thoroughly uh, recommend you going through that. That's the NeuroCycle app. And also, there's another website address there. Um, it's called finds.life.church backslash words backslash words. It's been written by uh, Craig Rochelle in relation to this series. And so it'll help you to um, uh, just work through certain thoughts that, that need to be changed. So again, recommend that resource there as well. I want to begin with a question today. And the question is really simple. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Why don't you just turn to the person next to you, just gently say, who do you think you are? Just got to be careful where you put the emphasis there on that phrase. You know what I mean? It's who do you think you are? It's no, who do you think you are? You know, make sure you say it with a loving tone. Who do you think you are? You know what I mean? You know, um, Turns out that how we answer that question, sorry, don't sing it to each other, whatever you do, just you're allowed to say the words, but don't sing. Uh, it turns out that when, when we, how we answer that question has a profound effect on our lives. As we've been saying over the last few weeks, that how we think affects everything about us. Our thoughts influence how we feel, our thoughts influence how we behave, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about God, and what we think shapes who we are, and it shapes our future. And we've been kind of, uh, you know, uh, expanding that thought over the last few weeks. Key thought for this series, I love this thought, is our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Where we will be in years to come is a product of the way we think today. Where we are today is a product of how we've been thinking over the last five, ten years, and that makes our thoughts extremely powerful. What, if that's true, then what we think about ourselves, what we, what, what, how we view ourselves, what, who we think we are, is really important. And so the question is, what kind of view do you have of yourself? How do you see yourself? What kind of words do you use to describe who you are? And if we're honest with ourselves, most of us don't see ourselves very positively. We tend to focus on our limitations, our flaws. We look at what others have and think, well, that's not me. I don't have any of that. Well, they've got that, but I don't, I don't have any of that. That's, there's, there's something different about me. We think other people are smarter, better looking, more spiritual. You know, their marriages are better. Their children are, are, are better behaved. And, and on and on it goes. How we view ourselves, what we believe about ourselves is so important. What we think about ourselves is crucial. Um, any of you know my story, but for many years, I didn't think I was that smart. I still don't think I'm that smart. But anyway, finished school in year 11, Moriata High School, and um, not too many people from Moriata High School went to university. You know, it was just one of those things. Um, smart people went to uni, and those of us that were not so smart, well, we, we got jobs. The rest of us got jobs. Now, just, just to put it out there, in case, you know, in case you, I don't want you to misunderstand this, I wasn't bothered by it at all. It's not like I went around saying, oh, Joe, you're dumb, everyone else is smart. I didn't, I didn't think like that at all. I just thought, you know what, this isn't for me. That's, that's, I'm, not, I'm not at that level. I'm at a different level, and that's cool. I, I had no trouble with that. Um, but then I went to Bible college. Felt, Lord, lead me to go to Bible college, and there we had to write assignments, and then something began to shift inside of my heart. Some, some, something began to change in terms of my thinking, and I started to think, well, well, maybe this could be a possibility. You know, may, may, maybe I could go to uni, and let, let, let me give it a try. Let me just give it a try, and um, it's very, very interesting, and of course I went, and, and the rest is history, but my perception of myself influenced how I felt about myself and the decisions I made. How, how, how I perceived myself, what I thought about myself, influenced how I felt about myself, 
and then the decisions that I made. And that's true for all of us. And, and, and those perceptions were actually not real. They, 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 they weren't in line with reality. Question is, who do you think you are? What perceptions do we have of ourselves? Because whatever, however we think about ourselves, whatever perceptions we have about ourselves, it's going to influence how we feel about ourselves. It's going to influence the decisions that we make in our lives. And if we have a flawed perspective, then it's going to affect our lives profoundly. If we have a right view of ourselves, then it will enable us to do greater things for God. And, and we need to be careful here. We don't want to have uh, uh, the majority of us see ourselves below what God has created us to be. Generally speaking, we always tend to see ourselves below. But there are a few people, they see themselves above. You know, they think they're, you know, whatever. And they're the kinds of people you go up to and say, well, who do you think you are? You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, I, lo I love what the Word says. It says, I like what Paul says, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. See, see yourself for who you really are in accordance with the faith. One translation says, with the measure of faith that God has distributed to each of you. God has given each of us a measure of faith. Paul says, view yourself with, with sober judgment. Get a right view of who you are. So the question is, as followers of Jesus Christ, who are we? Who are we? Well, to help us answer that question today, I want us to go to the book of Ephesians. And uh, Paul wanted to go to Rome. And he was under house arrest while he was there. He went actually as a prisoner. And while he was under house arrest, he wrote a number of letters to the churches that he had started. One of those letters that he wrote to was the church in Ephesus. And there's a couple of um, key principles here uh, that I want to pull out of the first verse. And I pray uh, that the Holy Spirit will uh, speak to all of us even here uh, today. Uh, first thing that we need to understand is that as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a new nature. Who are we? Who are we as followers of Jesus Christ? One of the things that we need to know is that we have a new nature. If we're going to win the war in our minds by the grace of God, we, the first thing we need to understand is, is we need a new nature. Before we identify the lies in our mind, before we replace them with the truth, confess the truth, there needs to be a change in our nature. There needs to be a change in our hearts. Now, no, notice, notice the text that we read. It begins with the word Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. There's just so much just right there. And maybe I'll come back that, to that in another, in another sermon. But the key word right there in that text is, uh, is the very first word. It's the word Paul. Paul was not always Paul. Before he was Paul, his name was actually Saul. Saul was not a nice person. He was a religious terrorist. He had one mission and that was to destroy Christians. He would go town, town to town, finding where the Christian groups were, and he would do everything he, can, he could to come against them. He was killing Christians. He was throwing them in prison. He would confiscate their properties. He was doing everything he possibly could to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, that it was just, just born. But one day, while he was on the road to Damascus, suddenly he saw a bright light. Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, my Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. 
And we know the story. He was led to Damascus. And while he was there at Damascus, God speaks to a guy called Ananias. And then Ananias is sent to him. And Ananias prays for him. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. I just love that word immediately. Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. There were, there were scales on his eyes so he couldn't see the truth. But as Ananias prayed for him, those scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up and was baptized immediately. At that, Saul was transformed and his life was never the same again. He then became Paul and he became a great defender of the faith of Jesus Christ. It's just a powerful story. I want you to know that if we're going to win the war in our minds, first and foremost, there needs to be a transformation in our hearts and lives. Again, just go back to that text. I mean, you know, you, you, you would just read right through that, right? You'd go, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. What, what, what does that word there mean? Well, it tells us that Paul is the author of this letter. But that one word, Paul, tells us so much. Speaks to us about the power of salvation. That the thing that we need first and foremost is a transformation in our hearts. There needs to be a transformation in our lives. Who are we? We are, we are a people whose nature has been changed. If, if we're going to win the war in our minds, one of the first things that needs to happen is there needs to be a transformation in our hearts, in our nature. You can get a pig and you can wash that pig with good shampoo. You can put some aftershave on that, really expensive one. You can put a suit on that pig. But as soon as that pig sees some mud, it's going to dive right into that mud. Amen? <laughs> Unless we get it beforehand and we make some prosciutto and some gabigolo, some sausages out of it. <laughs> Come on. Some nice cold cuts. <laughs> why, why is that pig going to dive into that mud? I tell you why it's going to dive into that mud. It's because that's its nature. It's the nature of, of that pig to, to live in mud. You can get a worm. You can try and get that worm to fly. You can stick some wings on it. You can throw it on from the tallest mountain and, 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 and try to get that, that worm to fly. But that, that worm is never going to fly. For that worm to fly, it needs to crawl into a cocoon. And in the cocoon, it's transformed into a beautiful little butterfly with wings. We can try and change our thinking, rehabilitate our mind. We, we can try and repeat some phrases and please don't misunderstand me. There's something very powerful about all of those exercises. But first and foremost, what we need to, to do is we need to be transformed in our heart and soul. The first thing that we need to war, win the war in our minds, there needs to be a nature change. There needs to be a transformation in our heart and soul. And the only way that's going to happen is by giving our life to Jesus Christ. The, the, the moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's a transformation that takes place. There is a change that takes place. Something happens at the deepest part of our lives. You cannot explain that logically. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And yet it's true and it's powerful. There are many of you here today who have experienced just that. 
came to church one time, somebody spoke to you about Christ and, 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 uh, and they said, oh, you just need to pray a simple prayer and, and, and you prayed the prayer. You, you invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life and, and you said something along the lines of, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I accept you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. You prayed a derivative of that prayer and once you prayed that prayer, something happened in your life. Something changed. You can't explain it logically. If you try to explain it to someone, you're not going to be able to explain it. Over the last few weeks, I've been hearing people's testimonies about, I love to hear, tell me how you came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Tell me what happened. Tell me the story about how you came to know Jesus Christ. As they tell the story, there's always a derivative of this. Nature change. We used to be soul, but now we're Paul. I used to be a soul kind of person and then I gave my life to Jesus Christ and now I've become more like Paul. God said to Ezekiel, and I will give you a new heart. Come on, church. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and, and be careful to keep my laws. How does that transformation happen in our mind and in our hearts? I tell you, it begins with God. It's God who's saying, I'm going to give you a new heart and I'm going to put a new spirit inside of you and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and, and I'm, I'm going to put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. People ask, well, how do you know this Christianity thing is real? And there's a bunch of reasons, really good reasons. One of those reasons is because of the transformation that happens in our hearts and lives. You can't deny the reality of the metamorphosis that happens in our hearts and lives when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. You can try and explain it away, but, but you, the words cannot do it. People are, oh, you've been brainwashed. Let me, you try and brainwash somebody like this. You've been re rehabilitated. Well, you try and rehabilitate someone like this. I used to be a Saul, but now I'm a Paul. And the only thing that's happened in between those two things is I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that's what makes this powerful. That's what makes the church powerful. Trust me, it ain't the words, it ain't the building, it ain't the speaking, it ain't, it ain't any of this. What makes this all powerful is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is power to be safe for those, for, for all the Greeks and the Jews and everybody. There's power for salvation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of this gospel because when somebody accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, there's a transformation that happens. Can I hear an amen somewhere? One of the things we declare when we're young is, I'm never going to be like my mom. I'm never going to be like my dad. We vow, I will never be like my parents. Only problem is, as we get a bit older, as you look in the mirror, <laughs> you start seeing them in there. Hey, what are you doing here? You know, as you get older, you start thinking like them. Oh my goodness, I remember my mum, my dad doing that. Um, we act like them. You know, the old saying, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, uh, it's very true. And there's a very simple explanation for this, by the way. Um, the, the, the reason why we kind of look like them and, and the rest of it is, is because we got their genes. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not talking about Levi's either. I'm talking about the genetic things, okay? Uh, it's because we got their genes. 
And uh, it's not our fault. We're kind of victims. Uh, inevitably, we're going to look like them and think and, and act like them. And in case you didn't know, you know like, because there might be some of you that don't know this little bit of biology, for a human being to be conceived, you need DNA from the mother that comes from the egg, and you need DNA from the father that comes from the sperm, and then, and then the two come together and the baby is conceived. How many people know all of that? Everybody cool with that? Yep, great. Now notice what the Bible says. No one who is born of God, the, the Bible again and again use, uses the whole concept of conception and birth to describe what happens in the spiritual realm when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. They use the analogy of birth to describe what happens in our hearts and lives. No one who is born of God, you know, you can be going along and then, and then Paul said, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now the word seed there in the Greek is the word sperma. Anybody I know where we, where, where we get that word from? When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, listen carefully. It's as if our DNA is joined with Christ's DNA. And suddenly we are transformed, we are changed at the deepest level of our hearts and lives. You can always tell when someone has given their life to Jesus Christ because they're different, they're changed. They suddenly have the DNA of Jesus Christ living inside of them. And because of that, they're different. Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If someone wants to ask you the question, who do you think you are? I'll tell you who we are. We are followers of Jesus Christ, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Our sins have been forgiven. We are born again. We have a new nature. We, have a, we are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We are a people of God. We are children of God. If we're going to win the war in our minds, it begins with a nature change. Begins, begins with a transformation in our hearts. It begins with a spiritual metamorphosis. It begins by being born again of the Spirit of God. That's, that's where this all begins. It, it begins by being transformed at the deepest level of our hearts and souls. It's soul turning to Paul. We, we, we looked at this last week. It's, it's Jacob who's wrestling with the angel, just wrestling and wrestling. And the angel says, What's your name? Oh, my, my, my name is Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, your name will be Israel. Transformation. Second thing that we need to understand is that as followers of Christ, we have a new identity. We have a new nature. Second thing we need to understand is we have a new identity. Verse goes on to say, and I'm reading from the King James Version. It says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. Everybody say the word saints, saints. Notice Paul makes reference to the saints in Ephesus. Now, when we think about saints, we usually think about people you can pray to in some traditions, holy people, statues. It's not in the Bible. The Bible tells us we pray to the Father through Jesus Christ. The only mediator between us and God is Jesus Christ, our Lord. <laughs> It's pretty simple. Um, you know, I, I often think about, you know, kind of a, a natural example of that. You know, if, 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 my, if my son needs something from me, I don't think he's here today, not in this service. If he needs something from me, my kids need something from me, 
they come and ask. <laughs> they say, Dad, I need money. I need this. I need that. I, whatever it is, they just come and ask me. Imagine if my kids go to someone else and then from that someone else asks me for, for that because that's the theory behind all of this. They come and, what, what would that do to me as a father? That would break my heart, I'm telling you. That would, that would break my heart. I'd say, what's wrong with our relationship? Why can't you come to me directly? Here's the reality. When we give our life to Jesus Christ, through Jesus, we can go directly to the Father <laughs> and pray. In fact, the Father invites us, just come to me. He invites us, you come to me and I'm going to tell you amazing things. So when we think about saints, we usually think about, you know, holy people and so on. Notice what Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus and he refers to them as saints. He says to the saints in Ephesus, if he was writing a church to Life Christian, if a letter to Life Christian Center, he'd be saying to the saints at Life Christian Center. How many times we say about ourselves, we are sinners saved by grace. And there's some truth to that. We are sinners saved by grace. But Paul doesn't say to, this, to, the, to the sinners in Ephesus who have been called by grace. He, he doesn't write this letter uh, to, 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 the, to, the, to the sinners in Ephesus who have experienced the grace. No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? He says to the saints in Ephesus. That's pretty powerful there. You know, names and labels are powerful. All of us have a name on our birth certificate. But how many people know many of us have some other names that we've put on ourselves? Come on, church. You see, in life, we all go through all kinds of experiences, and these experiences influence the names that we give ourselves. We have a name on our birth certificate, but we have a bunch of other names that we often give ourselves or people have kind of given to us that we believe to be true about ourselves. Names like failure, weak, ugly, Slow, simple, dumb, sensitive, insecure, inadequate. Divorced, single, it's a label. Dysfunctional, addict, reject, mistake, anxious, depressed, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. One of the things I dislike about in the field that I studied is the, is, is, is the, is the diagnosis process, how they, they, they give a label to a bunch of symptoms. I hate that because what can happen is then that label defines who we are. And, and, you know, I, I, can, I can cope with that in the, in the realm of, of medicine. I don't like it in the, in the realm of psychology and the soul because you can't get a blood test for anxiety. Oh, you need a blood test for anxiety. Well, where do we sit? Oh, we're at 3.2. Well, we need to get it at 4. <laughs> no. The, 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 it's just a label about a collection of symptoms. That's all it is. Change the symptoms, you change the label. And I, I have some real trouble. Now, I get the label helps us at times work with it, so please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I just have a lot of trouble with some of those labels because the danger with some of those labels is they, they, they can define who we are. Treat the symptoms. Don't worry about the label. Labels have a, a way of affecting us. They affect how we see ourselves, the decisions we make, and they have the power to shape who we become. Now, here's the good news, that no matter what names we've been given, we've, the names we've given ourselves, God wants to give us a new name. The Bible says, you shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. God is going to give us a new name. God is going to give us himself. When we come to Christ, he not only gives us a new nature, a new heart, a new life, he also gives us a new name. 
Problem with us is we're still living with our old names. The problem with many of us is we're still living with our old names. Bible tells a story about the people of Israel came out of Egypt. They were about to enter into the promised land. God had promised to them and he said, I'm going to be with you. You know the story. And uh, so they send out 12 spies and the 12 spies go and and, 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 and uh, spy out the, the promised land. 10 came back and said, the giants are big. We can't take them down. We're too small. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, uh, uh, came back with a good report. So these guys with a negative report said this, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Problem with the, with the Israelites is they'd left Egypt, but Egypt was still in them. In Egypt, they were powerless. In Egypt, they were slaves. In Egypt, they just did what they were told. In Egypt, they were like grasshoppers. Suddenly, they leave Egypt. God delivers them powerfully. They have God on their side. They have the word of God, the promises of God. And their address has changed, but their identity had not changed. They still had a grasshopper mentality. So many of us come to know Christ, we're radically changed. We experience the power of God, salvation, but our identity has not changed. We still see ourselves as sinners when God sees us as saints. We still see ourselves as broken when God sees us as whole. We still see ourselves as losers when God sees us as victors. There are some of you here today, you've placed a label on yourself. And you said, I'm this or I'm that or I'm the other thing. No, you're not. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. You know, the way uh, we bring up our children, the way we change behavior in children, there's two ways that we can do it. One way is to punish the bad behavior. You can, you can punish the bad behavior. It's effective. Not all the time. Sometimes it can actually backfire. Uh, the more you punish the bad behavior, then, then it can actually give, have the opposite effect. That's one way to change behavior in our children. The other way is to call out the good. As you call out the good, the negative behavior is extinguished. It extinguishes by itself. Um, isn't it interesting that Paul writes to this church and he refers to them as... This, this church was not a perfect church. They were a new church. In fact, as you read the book of Ephesians, you get to find out some of the issues and trouble and he's, he begins to write into that. But right from the outset, he doesn't say, hey, you bunch of sinners, get it together. He says to the saints in Ephesus, what is he doing? He's helping them to see who they really are in Christ. The question to you and to me this morning is, who are we? Who do you think you are? Because so many of us have placed a label on ourselves and we live with that label. I want you to know this morning that God's power is bigger than your past. That his grace is greater than anything that you've ever experienced. His truth is stronger than whatever opinion you have about yourself. God's word has the power to change and transform us at the deepest level. We're going to win the war in our minds. We need a, a new nature. We need to have a new identity. We need to start to change and challenge those labels that we've placed on ourselves. Begin to see ourselves as God sees us. A new identity.
Third thing that we need is a new perspective of ourselves. A new perspective. Verse goes on to say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ Jesus. Ten times this phrase or a derivative of what appears in the first 14 verses in, chapter, in Ephesians chapter 1. This next intensive that we're doing uh, with uh, Greg Johnson is going to dive into the book of Ephesians. And so it just kind of works really well. So I encourage you to get a hold of that and be, be a part of that uh, intensive. Each phrase in the book of Ephesians tells us the benefits of being connected to Jesus Christ. It tells us the benefits of being, what it means to be in Christ. You know, one of the things that people try and sell often is memberships, you know, it's memberships. I remember every time I joined Anytime Fitness, it's been quite a number of times. I've uh, been through the uh, gym phase and, uh, you know, every four or five years, yep, should go to the gym, join, then quit and then join again. You know, every time I go through the same phase. Anyway, you, you sit with them and they go through the spill with you. It's the same spill every time. They, they, they make a list of all the benefits, you know. They say, you know, you can come to the gym anytime. <laughs> no joke, it's called Anytime Fitness, you know. Uh, yeah, we've got state-of-the-art machines and, you know, we're going to do a free assessment um, and locations all over the world. That's really handy at the moment, isn't it? I mean, you know, gee, you know, when I'm travelling all over the world right now, I can travel anywhere. And this goes on and on and on. They list all the benefits of being a member. Uh, they don't treat you the same when you, when you leave, though. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen that experience too. But when you join, you have access to all of their benefits. When we give our life to Jesus Christ, we suddenly have access to all of the benefits. The problem with many of us is we don't know what those benefits are. One of the great things that we need to know is who we are in Christ. Let me give you some of these that, that come out of chapter 1, just very quickly. Uh, uh, verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, many times in our walk with God, we start thinking like this. We say, so-and-so is blessed. He's blessed, she's blessed, Every, everybody else is blessed except us. What this verse tells us that in Christ Jesus, when we've given our life to Jesus Christ, we are blessed with every single spiritual blessing. Verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. We are chosen by God. I don't know about you, but I was one of those kids, never good at sport, you know, Lunchtime, yeah, let's pick teams. So we get along the wall. All right, two captains, you pick. I was always either the last one or just the, nearly, nearly the last one. Everybody say, oh, it's terrible. Oh. <laughs> it was always terrible being the last one chosen. Hey, what can you do? You know, you're not good. It can't be good at everything. But listen, but that, that, can, become, that can become an identity issue in our lives. It can, be, it can become something. I'm not like everybody else. Listen, listen to what verse 4 says. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love. You're chosen by God. Even before the creation of the world, he looked at you and said, I, I, I chose you. He chose you to do something for him, for his glory. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. We're part of God's family. Some people say, Pastor, I've been adopted and I understand you know, what, what, what that can represent. The Bible tells us we're all adopted as, in, into, into the family of God. We are sons of God. 
We are part of, we are part of God's family. I'm a child of God. I'm a son or a daughter of God. Verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. We're forgiven. Verse nine, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. He has a plan and a purpose for, for our lives. When he created us, he created us for purpose. He has a will for my life. I'm not an accident. I'm not just some random blip. I, God has a, has a purpose for my life. Verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us, guiding us and leading us, forming Christ in us. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Neil Anderson has written a lot about this. Any of his books are really good. Um, and uh, he's made a list of who we are in Christ uh, which you can download uh, from New Anderson's website, but also that website that I gave you, Craig Groeschel has also made a list of some of this as well. Thoroughly recommend you download it. Let, let, let me just give you a, a few things. The Bible says who we are in Christ. Um, it says this, it says, I'm, a, I'm God's child. I'm Christ's friend. I've been bought with a price. I'm complete in Christ. I am free from condemnation. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I'm confident that the good work that God has begun in me will be perfected. I'm a citizen of heaven. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. Come on, that, 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 that's for some of us, we need to declare that over life. I've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a, but Pastor Joe, I'm, I'm, I'm full of fear. And, and, and when we experience all of that, we say, that's not who I am. Been given a I'm not being given a spirit of fear. I've been given a spirit of power and love in Christ Jesus. I can find grace and mercy to help me in time of need. I'm born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. Pastor, I just feel miserable. I feel like I've got nothing to offer, nothing to give. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible says... I have, we have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. You just haven't found your rhythm just yet. You haven't found what God has called you to do just yet. But hey, hang in there. Begin to reach out to God. Begin to say, God, you called me. You've anointed me. What do you want me to do, Lord God? And then the Holy Spirit is going to begin to speak to you about the things. He's going to put desires in your heart. He's going to begin to show you the things He wants to do in and through you. I've been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I'm a fellow worker with God. What? Yeah, I'm on his team. He picked me. I'm chosen. I was standing on the wall back there and I was waiting. I was just wondering. And he, he was the captain and he, and he looked at me. And Joe, is, Joe, is that Joe? Is it? Yep, you're on the team. Come on, you're in. You're chosen. I'm a fellow worker with God. Oh, come on, church. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God created in advance for me to do. I'm His workmanship. Oh, I just don't like the shape of my ears. Just not short. I'm just too short. Not short enough. And we get the list goes on and on and on. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in. Who do you, how do you see yourself? Who are you? 
Who do you think you are? I'm Christ's workmanship. How many times do we criticise God's workmanship? How, how many times do we look down on God's workmanship? We look at ourselves in the mirror and go, you're a waste of space. What we're saying to God is, God, you haven't got it all together. You're not a very good worker. And that's simply not true. I am God's workmanship. Created for good works. I'm not the product of someone else's label or the labels that life has put onto me. I am not that. I'm a child of the living God. I am Christ's workmanship. I can approach God with freedom and confidence where I can, I, I, I can find mercy in my time of need. I, I don't have to approach God scared and afraid. Oh, what does God think of me? He knows what I did again this week. He's, uh, uh, no, we can approach God with freedom and with confidence. And it's in His presence we find grace and mercy in time of need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the list goes, I mean, I'm a, this is only like, you know, like 20%. I could, I, could, I could be here all afternoon. Too many of us have a negative perspective of ourselves because we are ignorant of who we are in Christ. And what we need to do is get a hold of some of those promises. And we need to begin to declare them in the name of Jesus. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Who do you think you are? <laughs> if we're going to win the battle in our minds and hearts, we need, a, we need a right perspective. We need a right perspective of who we are. What we believe about ourselves and God will determine how we live our life. Book of Ephesians reminds us of three really big things. We have a new nature. We have a new nature. I used to be Saul. I'm not Saul anymore. Now I'm Paul. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. We have a new identity. We have a brand new identity. I'm not just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just Joe anymore. I'm Saint Joe. Thank you very much. And so are you. So are you. We can live with a new perspective of ourselves. The story of the woman with the issue of blood. Because of her condition, she was an outcast. She couldn't be with people. She had been to doctors. There was no healing. One day she hears that Jesus is passing by. She makes a decision. Does she believe the label that's been put on her outcast? broken, ostracized, nothing will ever change for you and go and hide in some corner and live the rest of her life like that? Or does she believe that her life can change by coming to Jesus Christ? Does she believe the label? Or does she believe that her life can be different by coming to Jesus Christ? She believes the latter. And as Jesus was walking by, she said, man, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. I could be made whole. If I, if I could just get close to Jesus, if I could just touch Jesus, I'm going to be made whole. And she did. And she was made whole. I wonder, there might be someone here today who's saying, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of the battle in my mind. 
Why not make a decision to come to Jesus? Why not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because when you do, something happens. Something happens. Something happens. There's a change. (laughs) There's a transformation that takes place. Deep in our spirit. And maybe there's someone watching online. You've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ. It's the, the, the most important decision you will ever make. It's to invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. It's acknowledging that we are sinners, that there's sin inside of our hearts. Believing that Jesus Christ paid the price right there at Calvary. He paid the price for our sins. And it's confessing Him to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. It'll Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to serve you all the days of my life. When we pray that prayer or a derivative of that prayer, the Bible says that we are born again. It's like we get to start all over again. Come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And I, I, I tell you, there's no greater decision than you can make than to serve Jesus Christ. How many people would say a little amen? Come on, give me a little amen. Amen. Come on, just give God shit. Let's all stand together. Can't finish a message like this without giving someone an opportunity to, give, to, to, to respond in some way to the message. So I want every eye closed, every head bowed. Because there might be someone here today who's saying, you know what, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or you might be saying, you know, I was once really strong, but I've drifted. I want to drift back today. And I want to give you a chance to respond. Pastor Joe, I'm just going to make the decision in my heart. Mm-mm. It's The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It starts with a belief in your heart, but there's got to be a confession. Something that acknowledges the reality of making that decision. When you do, salvation that takes place. While every eye is closed, every head is bowed, there may be someone here you've never ever given your life to Jesus Christ. You want to do that today. I want to pray for you. All I'm going to ask you to do, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else other than this. Just lift your hand and and say, yes, Pastor Joe, include me in that prayer. That's all I'm, I'm going to ask you to do. Just lift your hand and just say yes. And then you can put it right back down again. Thank you. Thank you in the middle here. Thank you here. Yep, down the back there. Thank you so much. Is there somebody else? Yep, thank you. Down the back there. Thank you. Is there somebody else? Just while we're waiting. And give someone the opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, when it comes to church, I get, I get excited about so many projects. And my brain can start running Projects, projects, projects. And it can be dangerous. And at times I just, I, I, I start to say, hey, brain, get it together, buddy. <laughs> just remember what this is really all about. And what it's really all about is seeing people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. Just one more minute. There might be somebody here. You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And you want to say, yes. 
Pastor Joe, include me in this prayer. Just lift your hand and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. Yep, yep. Somebody else? Yeah, right out the back. Thank you so much. Somebody else? Yep, thank you. Yep, we've got that one. Thank you. If you put your hand up, you can put it down again. Thank you. Somebody else? Ten more seconds and then I'm going to pray. I want everybody praying this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I give my life to you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Be my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we know that there's no greater power than your power. The power to save, transform. And what happened to Saul is something that can happen to all of us still today. You're still saving by the grace of God and for the glory of God. I thank you for those that raised their hands today. I pray that by the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that the seed would be sown in their hearts, Lord God, a seed that would bring fruit for your glory, that they would experience the salvation of God. Father, those that are here, Lord God, that are wondering, questioning, Father, I just thank you that you love them and that you created them for such a time as this. Let them see and know who they can be in Christ Jesus, Lord God, I pray. Reveal yourself to them by your grace and for your glory. I thank you for this word. Let this word become a revelation in our hearts and lives today, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, Amen. Come on. We've got a guest area at the back. Uh, Pastor Joseph is there. If you you raised your hand, we'd love to give you some material. And you can go down the back there and uh, and collect something. Have a chat with Pastor Joseph. He'll invite you to the belief course. For those on, just a second, for those online that you might have given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to tell someone. You need to tell someone that, hey, today I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. It seals the decision that you made. And get in touch with us. We'd love to give you some material. God bless you. You have an awesome week. And we'll see you next week. God bless you.